There is uh, something that's almost poetic about our brokenness. That moment when we realize the mess that we've truly made of our lives. And we begin to slowly pick ourselves up off the ground, lick our wounds, and limp forward. And somehow we find the strength to pull ourselves away from the scene of the crash. And as we pull away, we look back in our rearview mirror, and we can see clearly the pain of our past, the pain that we've caused others, the pain that we've caused for ourselves. And we pause for a moment, and we're grateful. We're grateful that we've been able to survive it and get out of it, but there is this moment of contemplation where there is almost this anxiety about it happening again, and you ask yourself just this really profound question. How do we move on from here? Morning, everybody. It's uh, holidays are over. Let's get back to the grind, huh? Um, it was 1935 in Akron, Ohio, when a conversation took place between two old drinking buddies. And no matter how hard they tried, they could not lick the demon of drinking in their lives. And so they eventually got together. They developed a 12-step process to change their lives by giving it over to God step by step. And since that time, hundreds of thousands of people have found the power to change that they couldn't find anywhere else. But not just alcoholics, people addicted to drugs, people addicted to sex, gambling, smoking, People addicted to overeating or spending money. Literally anybody who has some demons that they just can't beat have found the power to change in their lives. And I have to admit, I always wondered, like, what's so magic about these 12 steps? What is it that makes them so powerful? And I began to explore it and research it and investigate it. I've gone to some meetings to explore it. And I have to tell you that I suddenly realized that these steps come right out of the Bible. Right out. God has given us the the tools and the power that we need to change. But he doesn't do it for us. We have to want it. We have to make a commitment to take action and partner with God in the change that has to occur in our lives, which is really what the 12 steps are all about. It's becoming partners with God to overcome the issues in our life that holds us back from living the life of peace and fulfillment that I think we all desire. So if you're like I was, You may think that the 12 steps are just for alcoholics or just for those people who can't handle life on their own. 
But the reality is this. The 12 steps are a tool for anybody who no matter how strong you think you are or what's going on in your life, no matter what your issue is, we all have something that we struggle with. And the fact of the matter is, we can't do it on our own. And so the 12 steps provide a model, a process for us, not a magic pill. The hard work that it takes to work the steps to create change in our lives. And so for the next several weeks, we're going to do this series called Strong in the Broken Places. And we do this series once every five years or so, because we believe it's so important that we, we face down the issues that we're dealing with in our lives. And quite frankly, we can face them down once, we can beat them for a while, but the problem is they keep sneaking back. Once every five years or so, I've found, and we've got to readdress it, re-engage, and get active about taking this stuff on. And our hope is that you'll commit to being here every week for the next seven weeks so that we're going to bring some clarity to the issues that we're dealing with in our lives through studying the biblical principles that the 12 steps are based on and understand the process on how we can be empowered to create authentic, lasting change in our lives. All right? Sound good? I'm usually not the most popular guy by the end of the series, but hopefully we will have had some meaningful conversation about some of the things that we're dealing with. So, so let's dig in. So he stood, he stood more than nine feet tall. He was so tall, in fact, he made Shaq look small. He was big. He was ugly. And this guy was all about one thing, causing pain and destruction. This guy was raised to be a true killer. Out this giant named Goliath would come. And he'd walk back and forth in front of the Israelite army, and he'd, he'd do a little trash talking. He'd say, send me a man who'll fight with me, who has the courage to fight with me, and if that man kills me, then we'll become your slaves. But if I kill him, you will become our slaves. The stakes were high. And the Israelite soldiers, they were scared. They couldn't even manage to eke out a yo mama or anything. <laughs> they were frozen in fear of this giant. And this happened every day, twice a day, for 40 days. Out Goliath would come from behind enemy lines and just humiliate these guys. Enter David. If Goliath walked like, boosh, 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 David was more like, ping, 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 ping. <laughs> he was the baby of the family. His brothers were out doing battle while David, though, was still a boy, so he was helping to uh, guard the sheep. So David goes to the front lines to deliver some food for his brothers. He's supposed to be nothing more than a delivery boy in this story, okay? 
But something happens. When, when David arrives, he sees what's going on, and his brothers and the entire Israelite army shrinking back in fear of this giant bully. David says, what's up with that? Who is this guy that is allowed to defy the armies of the living God and make everybody look foolish? David's like, I'll go. I'll fight him. I'll take him on. His older brothers are like, yeah, right. You're such a punk. Go back home. Take care of the sheep. Do your thing. Now, somehow the king must have been in close proximity because he heard David say this, and he, the king said, don't be ridiculous. There's no way you can go against Goliath. You are powerless over this giant. You're too small. You're just a boy. All the rest of the soldiers are afraid. There's no way you can do this. And David says, king, with all due respect, let me tell you about my experience with those who are bigger than me and want to destroy me. He says, when a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from my flock, I go after it with a club in my bare hands and I kill it. Don't miss these next words when he says, it's not me. It's not me. It's the Lord who saved me from the claws of the lion. It's the Lord who saved me from the claws of the bear. And now he's going to be the one who's going to save me from Goliath. Got any Goliaths in your life? I'm talking about giant problems, patterns, bad habits, bad hang-ups, issues in your life that are bigger than you are. Everyone's got an Achilles heel. Everyone's got a weakness. Demons that we can't seem to beat. Issues that we can't seem to overcome. Anything come to mind? What is the thing in your life that has a grip on you like nothing else? And no matter what you do, you can't change it about yourself. No matter how hard you try, you can't seem to beat it. Any clue what that is for you? Anything come to mind at all? For those of us who are just drawing a blank, let me provide some suggestions about the possibilities. <laughs> Goliath can be things like being addicted to work. Something as simple as work, that we are overworking and we're ignoring everything else in our life because of our work. Overeating, that we have no control over what it is that we eat and we are out of control when we're around food. Alcohol is an issue for a lot of us. Drugs, and it's not just illegal ones. There are a lot of us that are addicted to painkillers. Overspending. Some of us are just compulsive spenders. Some of us are very just overly critical and negative all the time. Some of us have issues with rage, and we're angry all the time. And we fly off the handle like that. 
Some of us live in fear, and we just walk around with an anxiety that we can't control. Gambling is an issue for some of us. Being just judgmental of everyone and everything all the time. Some of us are out flirting around, and we have a sexual promiscuity that we're dealing with. Some of us are dealing with issues of codependency. Some of us are dealing with issues of being just self-absorbed, narcissistic, and there is nothing else in the world that matters but me. And some of us are blaming everyone and everything else on our problems, and we're walking around like a victim, completely wrapped in self-pity. Some of us are perfectionistic, and we cannot tolerate any mistakes from anybody. Some of us just lie all the time. Some of us have issues with pornography, and we're addicted to that stuff. We're addicted to going to those wrong websites all the time. It's so easy. Some of us just constantly get ourselves into unhealthy relationships where they're constantly dragging us down and making us to become the person that we don't want to be. Some of us have issues with jealousy. We're jealous of everyone and everything who might be better than us or has things that are better than us. And some of us have just a real need to control. Can you find your issue on that list? If you can't, chances are you got a bigger issue. We call it denial. <laughs> if it's a problem and I can't control it, if I don't have the power to defeat it, then it's a Goliath in my life. And the question for you this morning is this. Do I really want to get rid of them? Or have I gotten used to having them around and... It's pretty comfortable for me to have them here. It's the old adage of there's an elephant standing in your living room and we just act like nothing's wrong. There's an elephant in the room. Today we're going to transform the elephant into Goliath. This sweaty, nasty giant who has really bad breath. And everybody can smell it except you. For some reason, you walk into the room and you don't even smell it anymore. You've gotten so used to it. It's become such a normal part of your life. We adjust our lives around the fact that we have this problem and we don't want to acknowledge it because if we do, it means that I have to admit that I don't have everything under control and it's really important for me to believe that I have everything under control. So just back off, right? But do you? Honestly. Have any Goliaths? I'm just telling you. My experience says everybody's got them. Everybody's got something. Some issue that we all struggle with. It's just that some people are better at hiding it than others. It'd be great this morning... If we could just get real.
Like, get honest about the stuff in our lives and really take ownership of the issues that we're facing. And over the next several weeks, like, really deal with it in an honest way. I don't know about you, but at my age, and I know I'm older than a lot of you. I'm a lot older than I look, by the way. (laughs) You kind of get the sense that, like, time's running out, right? And it feels like, really, we need to get our stuff together. Like, this life thing, it's getting pretty for real. And we only have so much time left. So it'd be awesome if we could just kick off 2017 and just whatever it is we're dealing with, deal with it in an honest way this year. And so step, step number one says, we admit that we are powerless over our issues and that our lives have become unmanageable. The Bible calls it confessing it. Some people call it coming clean. If you're looking for the power to change, to defeat the Goliaths in your life, step number one is the place to start. It's where we admit and we say, I have this problem and I'm going to shine a light on it so that I know what this thing is. I'm powerless to bring it down. I have this Goliath in my life. I've tried for such a long time to do it on my own, but no matter how hard I try, I just can't make it happen and I'm getting so tired. But here it is. It's tough for us to admit, isn't it? That we have a problem. We have an issue. Maybe you're thinking, you know, I may not be perfect, but I'm certainly not powerless. I mean, that goes against our human nature, right? To think that we don't have power over our own lives, that we don't have control over something in our lives. But think about it. If you're not powerless, then just stop. Just stop eating to feel better or to deal with your emotions. Stop drinking after work to unwind or to help you sleep or to start your day in the morning. Stop smoking for good. Stop getting so angry with your kids or just yelling at your wife or your husband all the time. Stop disrespecting your parents. Stop looking at inappropriate websites. Stop worrying about everything. Stop cleaning compulsively or spending impulsively. Stop withdrawing when things go bad or trying to control every little stinking thing. Just stop. If you're not powerless, then just stop all of those behaviors that are not healthy and productive in your life. Just stop and change. Odds are we can stop them for a little while. They come back over and over again. It's the old adage of the definition of insanity, right? The definition of insanity is what? Doing the same things over and over again, expecting different results. 
Are you insane? Do you do the same thing over and over again in your life, in your marriage, in your relationships with your kids, and you expect it somehow that this time it's going to get better? You are a little bit, aren't you? I know I am. We do the same things over and over and over again, expecting that somehow this time, this time, this time, it's going to be different. And it never is. You know, for instance, I, there, was a, there was a time when I was like ridiculously overweight and it was dangerous, according to my doctor anyway. <laughs> and so I, you know, every year I'd say, okay, I got to do something about this. And so I'd make this resolution every year and I'd say, okay, this is the year that I'm going to achieve six-pack abs, Right? Now I've come to accept the fact that I wasn't actually created with any abs because I've never been able to find them anywhere. <laughs> but I used to take it on and I, you know, I used to say, I'm going to make this a, like a reasonable goal, right? I'm just going to make a suggestion to myself that it would be a good idea if I might just lose a little weight. Not much, mind you. I wouldn't want to have to give up the things that I really love to eat, but just just enough to take the edge off to keep my doctor off my back, right? You see the weakness in that commitment? There is no commitment. So, you know, we get into our warped heads and you go, hey, you know, during the holidays, if, thank goodness I was watching my weight because I only gained 10 pounds this year instead of 20. Could have been really bad. It's insane. We justify stuff all the time. We rationalize things all the time. All the issues in our lives. What is it that you're trying to handle on your own, doing the same things over and over again, and it ain't working? And it is wreaking havoc on your life. Many of us live in denial about the fact that we have problems in our lives. And after a while, we get so deep into denial that we get used to Goliath hanging out in our house, being in our lives like somehow he's supposed to be there, and we actually begin to work around him. Our whole life adjusts to the fact that we have this ugly giant standing there in the middle of the living room, and we just walk around him like it's normal. Everybody else can see it. Everybody else can see how wrong it is except for me. But for whatever reason, we ignore it because it just doesn't seem to bother me anymore because we've become so used to it and it's so, such a normal part of our lives that we rationalize it over and over again. This morning, we come to a crossroads. And we have to ask ourselves, am I going to admit that I have issues that I have to deal with Or am I going to stay stuck in denial forever and ever like nothing is wrong? What will it take for us to wake up and take control of our lives by giving up control of the issues that I face? The 12 Steps calls it hitting bottom. In the church, we call it becoming broken. Ernest Hemingway says it like this. The world breaks. Everyone 
And afterward, many are strong in the broken places. But those that will not break, it kills. Kills the very good, the very gentle, the very brave, impartially. And if you're none of these, you can be sure it'll kill you too. But there will be no special hurry. Pretty sobering thought, isn't it? Unfortunately, no matter what our issues are, it usually takes something in our lives to blow up before we get it. Because all of a sudden, when we get broken, something happens. We start spinning out of control. People get hurt. We get hurt. And when we're not in control anymore and we're spiraling out of control, all of a sudden we start looking up for help. And when we become broken, we are finally ready to admit that there is this Goliath-sized problem in my life. And for just a moment, we stop blaming everybody else for our problems and we come clean before God and we say, I have this issue, please help. And it is then and only then that God can come in and clean house and make the changes that are required in order to bring healing into our lives. And so step number two of the 12 steps says that we've come to believe that a power greater than ourselves, which we believe is God, could restore us to sanity. So basically, you're, you're sitting there faced with a choice, right? Are you going to choose insanity where your life continues to spiral out of control and you continue to hurt others and yourself in this destructive behavior? Or can you choose belief? Can you find the strength to believe that God can give you the power to overcome? And so the question is, are we ready to admit defeat so that we can claim victory over the junk that holds us hostage in our lives? Do we really need to experience any more pain Do we really need to experience any more brokenness before we let change happen? When you look at the story of David, I got to tell you, I think, I think he was scared to death. But I also think that David's belief in God was stronger than his fear of Goliath. David said, you come at me with a sword and a spear, but I come at you with, in the name of my God. And David put this little stone into his sling and he let it go. And I think Goliath watched that one little stone fly through the air and get closer and closer until it finally hit him square between the eyes. And as the Bible says, Goliath came falling down dead. point of that story is this. That kid couldn't have done it on his own. Every soldier was afraid of this guy. But somehow, he believed. He believed in the power of God. He believed that God had his back. He took action. 
He did something. He stepped up and made it happen and partnered with God in that moment to take that giant out. I think the same thing can happen to the giants in our lives when we believe that we don't have to back down anymore. That we don't have to be afraid anymore. That God's really got our backs. And with the power of God, we can defeat the Goliaths in our lives. The problem is this. We become so comfortable with the crap in our lives that we don't want to change. We don't want to give that stuff up. We're afraid of living without it. We're afraid of making that change, of letting it go. Is your belief in God stronger than your fear of change in your life? Can you just close your eyes just for a minute? Just indulge me and close your eyes. I just want to just picture yourself on vacation somewhere, sitting on a beach, sitting by a beautiful pool at a resort. And you're sitting there in your chase lounge, just enjoying a beautiful day. But you're not alone. Goliath is sitting right there next to you, this big, sweaty, giant of problem in your life is sitting right beside you. And he's wearing a Hawaiian shirt and he's got on, we'll say, black socks and slippers. And he's got his arm around you as he sips on his pina colada and breathes bad breath on you. But you don't smell it. You think it's normal. Everybody around you is looking and going, how wrong is this? How ridiculous is this? But not you. And all of a sudden, Jesus walks right up to you. And he says, hey, you. Are you ready to be healed? Then step away from the ugly giant. Take his arm from around you and walk away. And you look right at Jesus and you go, what giant? I don't see no giant. But you take another look and you see that Jesus is just standing there holding out his hand. And more than anything, he just wants, he wants you to be healed. And you look over at the nasty giant of a problem who's kind of cute. But he desperately, you know he desperately wants to hold you back. And you look back at Jesus who wants to heal you and you have to make a choice. Do you want to be healed? You take the hand of Jesus and admit you need to break away. Or are you going to stay stuck? Forever and ever. What's it going to be?